Podcast, sparking innovative thoughts. Hello, welcome to the Texas Global Podcast. And you're with me again, Chawarat Yongjiran on uh, one of the global content editors at Texas Media. And with me today is someone that I'm really excited to talk to because she's not only a brilliant person in her field, but also she has great passion in developing the ecosystem here in Southeast Asia. Her name is Stephanie C. She's the founder of Thinking Machines, uh, which deals with uh data consultancy uh, and building AI data platforms across Southeast Asia. And uh, her background is is immense in terms of how she has had experience working in the Silicon Valley and also now in Southeast Asia. Hello, Stephanie. Hi, Chawarat. How are you? It's so nice to be on this podcast. Yes. Oh, you can call me Poupey. Poupey. Of all the listeners who, who are listening in, you can also know me as Poupey as well. That's my nickname. As you all know, you know, like in Thailand, we have very long names and that's why we have nicknames. <laughs> can I call <laughs> you P Poupey too? <laughs> oh, P Poupey. P Poupey, are you younger than me? Oh, you might be younger than me. Oh, no. <laughs> For those foreigners who don't understand the concept of P, P is like senior. No, no, let's just just be friends. Let's just be friends. Okay, so um, I just want to give you an opportunity to give us a little uh, bit about, you know, background about yourself, you know, for those who may not be familiar with you, uh, you know, just give us, you know, the highlights of your career. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so to add to listeners, um, I'm um, Stephanie. Um, I'm from the Philippines, uh, actually. Um, and um, have had a really fun career uh, in data science. Uh, in a lot of ways, I, I started my uh, career um, in San Francisco just when uh, data science started becoming like a hot career and like a hot industry. Um, I was in um, a stochastic uh, stochastic modeling class. Like I took statistics in college with friends when all of a sudden um, these tech companies started talking about, you know, data science is the new career of the future. And we looked at each other. We're like, are you studying data science? Am I studying data science? What, what is this? <laughs> um, and, and just uh, it's been a really fun uh, ride from there. Um, I started a startup uh, in college, uh, raised money, lost it all um, oh, really hard. Really that's the way you do it, lesson. right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, it hurt at the time, though. Um, it was a really strong life lesson. Um, and then I uh, was really lucky enough to join uh, a startup uh, as an early employee. After that, uh, I built um, a lot of this company's uh, data uh, systems and just customer uh, analytics systems. And then when we got acquired by Google, uh, I worked at Google for a year, um, learning how to do it, but, but at an even bigger, um, you know, petabyte uh, scale at Google. Um, and um, so after, like then, so, yeah. So then after, after, oh yeah. Um, and then after um, I moved back to the Philippines, um, that was about six years ago. Uh, and I started thinking machines. Um, my, my philosophy there is that I, I was seeing so much of this like really fantastic data technology happening in Silicon Valley, but you know, um, you did not need that much. Um, mm. This, you know, you don't need, um, it's not capital intensive. You know, you don't need a lot of land. You don't need like specialized manufacturing equipment. You really just need computers and smart people and a connection to, you know, the worldwide uh, cloud uh, web and you can build amazing technology. So I thought, hey, um, I think uh, we can do this in Southeast Asia. I think this could be like a wonderful uh, um, industry for me to be part of 
uh, and help grow uh, in my my home region. Uh, and so yeah, I've been yeah. doing this for the last six years. I don't want to hurt people's ears, but I want to give you a clap here. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a difficult decision to move you know, from a place where, you know, everyone's always talked about, you know, uh, the Silicon Valley and and being there, it, it kind of gives people the sense of, oh, I've made it. If you, if you're working there, um, was it hard deciding to come back home? Um, not so hard, right? Because uh, if, you, if you think about it, um, I, in a, in a very few number of years, I managed to go through the entire life cycle of, um, I had started a startup, I had raised money, I had lost it all and shut down that startup. Uh, I joined a company as an early employee, it's like employee number 12, and uh, we grew uh, uh, to the point where Google acquired us uh, for a couple hundred million dollars, and then I worked at Google for a year. So that's like, a, you know, 10 or 15 years worth of life experience compressed uh, into five years. I think that's one of my favorite things in uh, about um, that uh, Silicon Valley, like things happen fast and you uh, really grow and experience uh, really quickly. Uh, but at that point, um, I, I really knew that I wanted to start uh, my own company. Um, and the choice was uh, whether to start it um, in, uh, in Silicon Valley or uh, to see if I could take those lessons and bring them somewhere else. And I've just always been very optimistic about uh the Philippines, about Southeast Asia. Uh, we just opened a Thai uh, office uh, six months mm-hmm. ago. So I'm actually right now very excited, excitedly meeting people in Bangkok and getting to know uh, the tech community here. Um, and just, just so there's so much good energy here. Um, I think that um, I think that sometimes people overblow San Francisco and how mm-hmm. smart people must be and how cool people <laughs> must be, but they're just really people. <laughs> yeah, right. they're just really yeah. people. It's I know, but yeah. Anyways, the story about coming back and 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 giving back and and actually growing our our our, our ecosystem here is brilliant. Um, what were some of the biggest lessons learned from your time working with startups and and at Google? Yeah. Um, so, so at Google, uh, my biggest learning there is that a lot of the people at the top, um, a lot of the most respected, most senior people at Google are pretty much self-taught because you're mm. operating at the leading edge um, of the industry. And when you're there at the edge, um, nobody's telling you what to do. You're discovering um, what you're trying to do. And so there's a whole methodology and framework around discovery and improvement, self-improvement and organizational improvement. Um, and that's something I really bought into. Um, think about it this way, right? Uh, you could get a undergraduate degree in mathematics. You could get a master's in business. Uh, you could get a PhD. But at some point, when you're trying to build something new, nobody has done it. By definition, you have to uh, just have the guts and have the drive to keep going. Uh, and so meeting a lot of these people who have guts, have drive, have intelligence, help inspire me to realize that hey, I don't need to learn from them forever. I could take the lessons that they've given me and like run off on my own uh, and just be part of this community. So that's like one huge, I guess, uh, uh, soft skills one. Um, I think on the hard skills side, um, the biggest thing I learned uh, at these startups and at Google is that uh, data technology has become super complex in the last mm-hmm. 10 years, uh, much more powerful uh, and also a lot more confusing. Um, if you are somebody new trying to start a career in data science these days, it's so confusing. Do you start learning machine learning modeling? Do you start learning statistics? Do you start learning uh, cloud data infrastructure? Oh my goodness, like what are you supposed to do? Um, but at the end of the day, data has to drive action. 
So in, in 80% of the time, a simple actionable SQL query will help you a lot more than a complex model, like a super complex 10,000 line, you know, genius level model. But if it is not answering um, an actionable question, then uh, it doesn't do anything for uh, your business or for the community you're trying to help. So those two things, um, it's so important for people to keep in mind the balance between uh, complexity, simplicity, and the drive towards action. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think we kind of answered that question for a while now that, you know, you can't, you don't need to go to school. I mean, if you do go to school, it's a good thing, but school is not the answer for everything. Mm-hmm. There's no like path that you follow ABC, especially at this time when you're talking about data and how it's being used and how it's changing. So, you know, when you think about it, you yourself say that, you know, it's it's very complicated, even if you're a professional person in that industry. What is it then? for the organizations, how is it going to be then for the organizations that you're consulting with when they want to transform through the use of data? Um, from your experience in, in consulting with uh, companies, what have been some of the challenges? Yeah, so we have been uh, consulting with very big organizations uh, in Southeast Asia. Um, so the telecom, uh, like big telecoms in the Philippines and Malaysia, um, power companies, um, governments, a lot of government work in the Philippines. Uh, and so these very big organizations tend to be very old also and have a lot of established ways of working. Uh, and so for them, um, the, the big challenge that I've seen is um, the cultural blocker uh, in using data to drive strategy because they're used to uh, planning one year ahead, three years mm. ahead, and five mm. years ahead, yeah. right? Yeah. You set your budget and you set your plan for three years ahead, and then yeah. it's all executing <laughs> on that. Um, and that drives their whole business. Uh, and they treat reporting as a um, post-fact reporting, right? So w- what they do is they use data to run quarterly reports, and they use those quarterly reports if you have your January, February, March performance in late April, you look at your Q1 performance after it has all happened and you think, uh, okay, like that's that's historical. Uh, the big cultural difference between these kinds of companies and the tech companies that I started my career in is that for the tech companies, data is a right now. You look at the data mm. right now to yeah. change the way you make decisions tomorrow that impacts your indicators next week. So it's a very mm. different mindset. Uh, data, not as a... Um, post-fact reporting mechanism, but as like an immediate actionable uh, tool. Um, so that that big mental shift uh, mm-hmm. is very hard for companies to make. <laughs> yeah. um, and the second um, big blocker is that um, a lot of big organizations want to open innovation teams. Uh, they want to invest in like a very sexy sounding AI oh, yeah. product. Yeah, like a PR definitely. Press yeah. Release about that. Yeah, they want yeah. to say, we're yeah. using AI now and it's going to make our business five times more valuable. And uh, they spend a lot of money on like a really beautiful new office. Uh, yeah, 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 <laughs> Hire 10 PhDs. Um, <laughs> PhDs? <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> um, but when they do that, um, when they do that, um, sometimes they forget to give that innovation team an actual goal. They'll just say use AI, right? But use AI is not a goal. Use AI is almost the same thing as use Excel. Yeah, use Excel to do what? Like what do you want to do? Mm. Um, so thinking about what uh, you want to improve on and how uh, better data uh, can improve your decision-making, uh, can improve your 
maybe operational uh, work can improve how you segment your customers and understand them better. Um, just thinking about the goal and then coming backwards from the goal into the applications. Uh, that, is, uh, uh, that is a huge challenge that uh, companies have to face. And neither of these things are technical, right? Like these things yeah. are not. So mindset. I think that um, it's all mindset kind of. and it's all uh, absolutely changeable. And only once you hmm. fix these mindset issues, do you get into the third area, which is like, oh, great. Like, how do you build a team? How do you build a data team? Uh, and that's really hard because there's so much competition for talent these days. Yeah, yeah. And um, the one, there's a lot of competition for talent too. Um, talent cannot work independently. You can't hire one person to do everything because data science, it's not a job. It's actually a whole industry. And underneath this industry called data science, you have data engineers. Um, you have people who can do machine learning models. Uh, you have machine learning engineers for deployment. You have uh, data visualization uh, people. You have strategists. Uh, so you have to think of it as like a full team uh, effort uh, when you're trying to um, change the way you use uh, data as an organization. I really like how you're explaining this. I think I think people listening can really get a picture of, of, of you know, hands-on, like the practicalities of of implementing this change, right? Um, but you know, but you know, like it's hard. <laughs> change it's is so hard. hard. Change is hard. But you know what? I, I just wanted to summarize a little bit of what you said, and I, I kind of want to emphasize that again. And you know, from the very beginning of our talk, you said, yeah, definitely data. The industry of 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 analyzing data, using data, it's so diverse. It's so um, ever changing right now that it, you can, you don't have a layout plan. But if you want to frame it in a way that will be beneficial to you, I think the best way is to have a goal, and then or a problem that you want to solve, and that can kind of be that structure for you to follow and and that's that will help you in you know losing less money <laughs> in experimenting and 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 time as well uh but you know when you talk about changing you know in within a startup that's a smaller team but when you talk about corporates like big organizations they already have their own data or, or sorry culture that they have they already have employees that are used to doing certain things in a certain way that they do all the time how how do you get people within the organizations to create that you know i mean i can't say perfect but a good culture to support um, this change and and how can we get team members or employees to see the significance of of, of data? Totally. Um, every organization I've met, um, I, I notice that even the people who are the most resistant acknowledge that data is important. Mm -hmm. uh, they want to use data uh, in their jobs. Um, where a lot of the resistance lies is in thinking about their part in it and their role. So that's why I'm not always in favor of creating totally separate innovation teams. Um, I think it makes sense to do that only if you're also giving your existing team the training and space to continue to learn and grow um, and introducing them to concepts like uh, growth mindset versus fixed mindset, right? Uh, the idea that every person, and this is an idea I really strongly believe in, every single person, no matter how old you are, no matter who you are, where you are, you can continue to improve and become like a better version of yourself and you can continue to grow. It's not that you're fixed. Uh, it's, it's the opposite of fixed mindset, right? Where fixed mindset, you treat every criticism like 
it's the end, like your, your job's mm-hmm. over, you're going to be replaced by AI. Uh, but growth mindset is about re-envisioning yourself, what you can do. Um, and I think helping people uh, first feel comfortable with the idea that they're going to be uncomfortable, but at the end of it, they're going to be better versions uh, of themselves and that they're going to use data and AI to help them become more creative, um, more innovative. And that's true for everybody. Sometimes there's this idea that, oh, only like those special people in that special team will see career growth. But me, I've been an SAP analyst for 20 years and uh, this is it. I'm stuck. So I'm going to be very resistant uh, to change. Yeah, I think that that's brilliant because I've talked to different organizations and they've I've I've heard from both sides, people who have their own individual team outside and then those who are trying to integrate all of all parts of the organization within together. And that's a really good point in that uh, you do need to take that time. You know, it's going to be hard. It's going to be tough, but you do need to take that time to talk to every team to try and see how they can, you know, really it's not intangible, but something that they really can use in their everyday work. Um, and that is that seems more more useful than separating the entities. And like, you know, it's a bit something of a concept that's far from from what they're doing in their you know, everyday work. Um, but you know, when you talk about the differences in change, corporates, as I said, you know, it, it will take some time. But on the other hand, you know, smaller companies, startups, they have the advantage of, you know, working really fast in terms of changing their mindsets, mindsets, changing the way they work. But their 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 downfall is of course sometimes no they time, don't have no money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. You need money, right? And and as you said, you know, talent is is expensive and hard to find these days. So what's your advice? Um, it's uh, in one way, it's the same as with the corporates, right? Um, in both cases, um, this has to be like, a uh, uh, this culture change has to start at the top. Um, so company heads have to start using data and referencing data when they're making decisions. Um, I know that I've fallen into this trap myself. Like I'm the boss of my own small company, right? Where I think like, oh, this is my opinion and let's just turn it into policy. And I had to be like, wait, 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 I run a data company. I need to see if we have uh, some numbers to back up like what I'm saying here and accept if I'm wrong. Um, and you don't have to be writing SQL queries to do this. I have met executives that will ask a junior to screenshot and email them the business KPI dashboard every day. And it's like, sure, whatever works, you know, you're 70 years old, you're not going to open um, this, this <laughs> dashboard, like just look at the numbers every day and make decisions based on it. And I'm happy. Um, but for smaller companies, um, the, the great thing about um, 2022 is that um you can actually buy a lot of great AI um, capabilities instead of building. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You can try low-cost investments, uh, you know, running a contained pilot uh, by uh, using uh, AWS's uh, computer vision API endpoint to process your receipts and like automate uh, reading your receipts and processing them for you. Um, there's a lot of startups out there who've actually just gotten funding, like raised a lot of funding. And so they will like sell you uh, their, uh, their their software for like, really darn cheap. It's subsidized by venture capitalists practically. Um, and so that's a low cost way you can you can kind of buy these capabilities rather than trying to spend three months and 10 people trying to build it uh, on your own. Um, I also think that it's a no brainer to use small data wisely. Um, again, it's all about actionability, right? 
You don't want to build some massive AI tool that only improves your business by like half a percent. Um, you want to think about what's the smallest thing that you can do in a really agile way. And that's what small businesses are good at. They can operate on two-week and four-week cycles instead of having to operate on one-year cycles. And they can pivot if things aren't mm-hmm. going quite right. So if you improve your own reporting capabilities uh, with software, I think that's what software is so good at, like making humans better. Um, you can use a lot of these uh, dashboarding tools um, that are open source and free uh, that I highly recommend. Um, Metabase like, really comes to mind. Uh, mm-hmm. Or you can use um, data ingestion and ETL tools that are open source. Like I think the open source uh, community for data tools is really exploding these days. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for those of you who don't know what open source is, uh, basically open source means free for you to use. You share. So, yeah, everybody will share it and we'll open it for you. Um, yeah, so a lot of productive things SMEs can do. Yeah. I, I think, you know, I don't know why I was being so pessimistic. I was like, yeah, how how can you do things if you don't have money? But that's the whole point, isn't it? That's why we have so such successful stories about, you know, startups as such as yours, you know, you know, growing fast. Um, what about a case study, let's say, you know, maybe just to give more you know, of a picture to those who are listening. Uh, can you give us a, a bit of a case study of a, a project that you thought was a good example of how they overcame challenges and, and were able to successfully use, pro, you know, data to solve problems? Yeah, um, I, I think a really fun uh, recent piece of work we did uh, was for uh, the big uh, courier company in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. Um, so every they have about a thousand branches all across the Philippines. Um, and every day, hundreds of thousands of people uh, will come to these branches and have a package delivered from point A to point B. And this company did not have a unique customer ID. Mm. So if you walked into one branch uh, and sent off a package, and then you walked into another branch and sent off a package, they have no idea that you're the same person. So if they don't mm. know who you are, how on earth are they going to serve you as a customer better? Mm-hmm. Um, so they had a pretty, um, when we got there, uh, they had a um, existing but really messy um, data system that we're, that we're trying to match uh, the customers and trying to figure out who their customers were. Um, and we came in and we helped them develop uh, with some AI technology, uh, a single customer view uh, that identifies unique customers uh, across all of their stores. And now once you have that, uh, first, you build the AI model to identify who the unique customers are. Then you're able to um, analyze the customer's journeys and figure out uh, who is selling um, who is selling on Shopee and Lazada from their house. So you can give them, you can offer them like special small business deals versus uh, who only does this once in a while. So, okay, you might need more help and more instructions uh, to help make your package sending experience easier. Who sends packages to like family members? Uh, halfway across the country every month. Okay, we can give you something uh, like a family package plan to make it repeatable. Um, so um, this next step of understanding customer behavior, customer churn, uh, keeping people happy and uh, keeping them retained with a business, uh, we're able to do that step by step, starting from the single customer view data warehouse and more machine learning model- modeling onwards. It's exciting. That's exciting how you're seeing so much change so fast and then you're being part of it. Um, and, you know, let's take a look at the bigger picture of, of data. I think it's it's an interesting thing or concept where you say that it's ever changing. Um, even if you're going to be in this industry you're and, and you 
you are a, a pr- professional in this industry, you're still going to have to learn new things. You're still going to oh, have yeah. to like, you know, evolve. So what do you think, how, how do you think data will evolve in the future in terms of how it's going to fit in our lives? I mean, what we're seeing now, uh, we're already seeing a lot being changed, but how is it going to evolve in the future? Do you think? Um, I think humans are actually going to evolve. Mm. Um, the uh, the cool thing about uh, this field is, um, I think to succeed in this field, you really have to embrace the mentality of a of a uh, forever learner. Um, everything that I learned at school ten years, fifteen years ago, um, I barely use any of those tools today. Maybe the only thing yes. I use is SQL. <laughs> SQL is forever. Maybe maybe that's uh, the one caveat. Um, the fundamental um, techniques in you know the fundamental mathematics and statistics have been very helpful to me as my career has grown, but every year I have to change the tools that I use at my job. Um, what I'm starting to see now is this very, very cool um, process where um, humans are changing their behavior in response to the availability of AI. Super specific example. Um, three or four years ago, Google wrote a um, go-playing AI um, um, artificial intelligence model that beat some of the world's best Go players. Um, so Go is this like super complex mm, like a, yeah. um, board game. And at first, all the Go players, all the top board, board players, uh, Go players in the world were shocked. They're horrified. Does this mean they no longer can play Go? But yeah. what happened is that they started studying the way that the AI played Go and realized oh. that the AI models have totally different strategies for playing winning and so this game where the winning strategies had not changed for maybe 50 to 100 years suddenly has seen in the last two three years a huge explosion in creativity and dynamism as humans saw that the ai could win using these totally new techniques and said hey i can incorporate that into my gameplay Uh, and now people play go in a different style yeah i think that's great i I honestly haven't really thought about it in that group in that way, perceiving that usually the, the usual perception is that data is going to evolve, data, data is going to be elevated, but then we kind of have to look at a different side of the coin where, hey, it's going to you know support the evolution of humans as well. It's going to support or elevate us and uh, in being better in, in what we do. Um, what do you see for the future in developing Southeast Asia with data, uh, especially since you're, you know, your hands are right into, yeah. you know, you're working right here in well, the region. Um, I, I really love this region. I think that uh, we have a lot going for us and we also have a lot of challenges. Uh, I have a lot of challenges, especially coordination. Um, so I think that um, number one, um, I do see as more Southeast Asian tech companies uh, get funded, get big, maybe exit, we're going to have a bigger pool of experienced talent to draw from, uh, mm-hmm. to lead uh, data, uh, to lead data initiatives of all kinds. Um, I'm also hoping to see more coordination with uh, with people building machine learning models, uh, because one of the biggest components of machine learning models is data, training data. Uh, ML models don't operate out of nowhere. It actually takes a lot of time and energy to build a training corpus. Um, and the training corpus is really key to whether or not the AI model like learns something well or not. Um, it's not like software where you define all the rules and it just happens. It's more like you have uh, the model, um, an empty brain, and you need to fill that empty brain with like high quality uh, information and curated uh, data. Um, I think that one, um, particularly when I'm working with government, right, uh, in the development sector, 
Uh, every country has its own data set on um, wealth, poverty, uh, climate-related data sets, uh, but these are all scattered. And if we can combine our data sets together and have shared and open standards for developing uh, data tools and machine learning models, um, I think that's better for uh, everyone. Uh, my team is working together with the UNICEF uh, Innovation Fund to build a, uh, we're calling it AI4D, the AI uh, for Development Research Bank uh, to collect um, and openly share uh, these data sources, these pipelines for processing data, open source uh, machine learning models for doing uh, wealth estimations uh, and air quality estimations. And we hope that people will use it as a, uh, we'll, we'll kind of share that mentality of open source and use it for their own research, for their own purposes and contribute back to it so that we all uh, really think about growing together. Oh my gosh, I'm sending you another applause <laughs> through, my, through my brain. <laughs> I can't believe it. I, you know, we're, we're coming at the end of our interview. This is just not enough time, <laughs> Stephanie. I think we're going to have to get another episode with you because you know why, as you said, you know, just like data is changing, you're going to be changing. You're going to be doing a lot, especially since you're in Bangkok. Um, you know, we want to talk to you further. Uh, but before we end, uh, we we want to lighten things up with some rapid fire questions. It's cool. just like, you know, chill right i don't judge us okay we're trying to be a little bit lighter <laughs> i think fun is a we key some, part of a good life <laughs> we have 10 questions okay just just a- answer uh, as much as you want <laughs> okay rice or noodles oh rice rice oh okay yeah yeah okay flip-flops or shoes flip-flops <laughs> cat or dog oh um this is hard mountain or sea beach yeah marvel or dc oh marvel's done a better job sorry dc <laughs> oh, tea or coffee coffee i can't live uh, without my cappuccino a book or a podcast <laughs> Ooh, I'm on a podcast. I feel like there's a right answer here. Uh, I, I maybe need to get rid of this one. This is being <laughs> Sorry, book. sadly, I'm going to have to say book for oh, me. Okay. We don't judge. We don't judge. Go ahead. Netflix or Disney Plus? I feel like Netflix has more stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. We'll see in 2023 how it goes. iOS or Android? Oh, this is maybe controversial, but every time I get a new phone, I switch between iOS and Android, which is kind of annoying, but it helps me see like what's happening on the other side of the fence. Oh my goodness. Why are you so perfect? <laughs> and then last one, sweet or sour? Sweet, sweet. Ah, desserts, desserts are life. Oh, thank you so much for being so sweet with us here on our podcast, Stephanie C. Thank you so much for giving us, you know, your time because I know that you're busy and everything, but we're so happy that we've had this time to talk and see how things have developed with data, how organizations are using them, and also how you are working with NGOs and also, you know, within our ecosystem. Thank you for coming back home. For <laughs> inviting me to the podcast. This has been really fun. And uh, yeah, to anybody listening, um, I, um, I'm always super happy to talk to people uh, trying to build like the data ecosystem uh, in our region. So yeah, just like drop me, drop me an email anytime. 
Yeah. Or if you can't contact her, contact us at Texas. You know, we'll connect you to Stephanie Z, the founder of Thinking Machines. And of course, I promise we'll find some time to talk again, Stephanie. Thank you so much. Sauce, sparking innovative thoughts.